Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Amen, and you may be seated. Thank you again for being here and for worshiping with us. If you are a guest, again, we just want to welcome you, and I pray that you have enjoyed the service thus far, and uh, I'm looking forward to opening God's Word here this morning with you. We are starting a brand new series this morning entitled Victory, and uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for uh, this morning's message, but I don't know how many people in the room this morning are sports fans. Any sports fans? Everyone... The others of you, uh, sports are done in many ways. Oftentimes it's a ball, it can be round, it can be oblong. There's all kinds of different things. There's little pucks they have on ice. We have a new one here in Las Vegas called the Golden Knights. But anyway, I love sports. I'm a sports guy. And the whole sermon this morning is not about sports, I promise. For some of you, you're like, all right, check, I'm done. I don't know anything about sports. That's okay. But one of the things in sports that I have come to know is this, you basically win or lose. You are victorious or you are defeated. Now I get, I get, if you have kids and your kids are involved in sports, I've played sports my whole life, there's much more to sports than winning and losing, I understand. There's character and there's all of these things. We do learn all of that. Life is packaged in a sporting event. It is. There's the highs, there's the lows, you mess up, you do all of those things. But I'm just going to say, there's victory or there's defeat for this morning's point. We have victory and we have defeat. And this morning we're starting a series entitled Victory. And we're going to look at what it is to lead a victorious life in Christ. What is it to lead a victorious life in Christ? See, in our world and in our society as human beings, basically when it comes to victory, when it comes to victory in life, we look at it on a couple different ways. One, you could say, well, I've got a great house, I've got a great car, I'm making good money, I have a great family. We do all of these things. Man, look how great that we are, look how great that we look, so on and so forth. And from the aesthetics of it, from the outside perspective, People would say, wow, they are living a great life. They're successful. They are, if we would call it, victorious in life. So the opposite would be true of somebody that lives a defeated life, right? They don't have enough money. Maybe it's poor decisions. Maybe there's divorce. Maybe there's jail time. Maybe it's drugs, alcohol, so on and so forth. Maybe it's homelessness. Maybe it's whatever it is. We would oftentimes look at that from the aesthetics of it. From the outside, you would say, oh, their life is not as victorious as their life. The reality is we all know that that is not true at all. Aesthetically, from the outside, oftentimes we would say, oh, look how, man, they have made it. They have arrived. I would say there's a reason that there's more rehab centers in the small area right around Hollywood than there are anywhere else in the entire world. If it's success and victorious living, surely they would have it together. But yet there's more rehabs in that area than there are anywhere else. Well, there's a reason for that. Some of you might say, well, 
victorious is really simple. To live that victorious life, it's just as easy as, why don't you just come to know Jesus as Savior? I would say this, yes, there is no greater decision that you can make than to, to fall in love with Christ and to get into a relationship with Jesus Christ. No greater decision. But then I have to stop and go, but wait a second. Jesus said that he was hated. Jesus also said that they would hate us. So many times we, we kind of think, well, if I, can, if I just give my life to Jesus, well, then everything would be perfect. And it is, right? No. No, it's not. Sometimes it almost seems the opposite. Man, this last month I gave my life to Jesus. I surrendered everything. God, would you take everything? God, I'm giving you everything. And then all of a sudden, it's like anything and everything that could ever happen, bad happened to you. And you're like, come on, Jesus. All I did was I tried to just give you my life. I want to live for you. And all of a sudden, I just felt like I got smacked with a truck. So sometimes it's, it seems like that victorious life may not even be inside of that. And though I would say victory is in Christ, but there's so much more that is inside of that as well. Victory, if we were to define it, is conquest. The defeat of an enemy in battle or, an, or of an antagonist in contest, in contest. A gaining of the superiority in war or combat. The advantage or the superiority gained over spiritual enemies, over passions and appetites, or over temptations, or in any struggle or competition. Our nature is this. Our nature would, would be that we would look victorious regardless of what is taking place in our life. Our nature would say that we would look victorious regardless of what is taking place in our life. And as we go through and as we look at some of these different things, we have to stop and go, okay, there's a lot of people that look victorious. But what does that look like? My heart's prayer and my cry out today to you and to the next several weeks is that, that we would be encouraged as to understanding that you in this room, myself, we can lead and live a life that is victorious. I do not have to live defeated. We do not have to live defeated in everything that we do. God came to give us hope, to give us life, to give it. And he says what? That he would give it to you, you'd have it in what? More abundantly. That we would have it abundantly. We believe oftentimes this is that if I would just do enough hard work, my life would be that of victorious living. We've bought into the lie that I have to do more and more to be successful. That I have to work harder and harder to have made it, to have arrived, so to speak. And today I'm going to do everything that I can to help help you, maybe some of you for the first time, to see and understand. For others, maybe you are a believer this morning and you are in that spot right now where you are doing everything that you can. You are working hard. You are doing literally everything that you can 
but pastor, I'm, I'm trying to read my Bible, and I'm making sure that I'm at church, and I'm making sure that I'm serving, and I'm, I'm doing, and 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 I've said this a million times from this stage, God doesn't want you to do, God just wants you. He's not after all the service that you can give. He's not after all of that. He's after you and I in relationship to Him. And I believe that over these next several weeks as we dive into this, this thought of victory, I, just, I think that uh, God's Word has a lot to say as to how we can live a victorious life. Today we look at the single greatest factor in our victory. That Jesus Christ died, maybe, but the reality is our victory isn't because Jesus died. Our victory is in Jesus rising again. My victory is not that Christ died because there's lots of false teachers and there's lots of false gods in the world that are not alive. Jesus Christ is the only one who ever came back to life. My victory is in the resurrection. If there is one thing that would absolutely destroy everything that we have today as a believer in God, it would be somebody to completely be able to debunk the fact that Jesus rose again. Because the one thing that sets my God apart from any other is that He is alive. And if somebody could prove that Jesus did not come to life and raise again from the dead... Man, everything that I have would, why am I here? What am I doing? Why am I in a suit looking? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> why are we here? Why do we celebrate Easter? Why do we do all these things? It would be for nothing. It would be for naught. And we're going to look at that in 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. So if you have your copy of God's Word, we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 16. Really if it was just based on time and you guys didn't care, we could start in verse 1, we could go to verse 58, and uh, we could enjoy a lot of discussion on the resurrection. But uh, I know that you don't want that, because most of you probably have an Easter egg hunt or lunch or something. And uh, so we're going to get you out of here today. Some of you got that. The others of them were like... So... 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 16, it says this, For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ dead, or Christ is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of men most miserable. Father God, I ask you this morning that you would use your word to pierce the hearts of souls. God, I pray for those that sit here that are hurting. I pray for those that are sitting here that do not know you as Savior. I pray for those that are on the cloud nine today. Lord, I ask that you would speak to each and every one that sits here this morning. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen. If I were to give you one thought that I would ask you and desire that you would take away from today, it is this. That if there is no resurrection, then there is no victory. If you know the resurrection, then you can know victory. So again, if there is no N-O resurrection, then there is no victory. If you can know the resurrection, K-N-O-W, then you can know 
victory. And the first thought, I have two thoughts this morning. The first one is simply this, defeat. Simply defeat. Before we can really and truly understand victory, we need to, to the best of our ability, understand defeat. In sports, we would say what? It's the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, Patriots fans. I'm sorry. Billy blessed us with his presence today, and I just had to. No, it's that, it's that thought. It's the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. You know, before we truly, truly, truly understand that amazing, victorious life, when you have had agony as a Browns fan, agony for year, my whole life, <laughs> to have the victory is so much sweeter when you've experienced the hardship. To have the victory is so much sweeter when you have had that hardship. And when we look at this thought today, that thought of defeat, if I never come to a place that my life is defeated, that I as an individual on my own am defeated, I can never come to the place where I can truly experience victory. Because I have to, I have to understand the defeat, and we're going to look at that. To me, one of the questions that is asked so often is this, and you've heard it. It's this question, if God is so loving, how could? And you can fill in the rest of that. If God is so loving, then how could? How could he allow a hurricane? How could he allow a tornado? How could he allow somebody to pass too quickly? How could he allow? How could? How could? How could? Here's the sad reality of that thought or that thinking. It's this. There is one word. We have and we ask that question because of one word. Maybe we could say that word in multiple different ways, but I put it down this way based on the sermon. Defeat. We ask that question because of defeat or sin. See, here's what I've never experienced in all of my life, and maybe you could say it differently, but nobody has ever said to me, Pastor, if God is so loving, how did he allow me to get my dream job? Pastor, if God is so loving, how do I have three amazing children? Pastor, if God is so loving, then, then how did I just purchase a $300,000 home? Or how, did I, how do I have all of the blessings that God has given me? No, we say it when God is, how could he be? If he's so loving, surely he would not have sent some, allowed some guy to, to shoot up a place. If God was so loving. But we ask it, why? Because of defeat. Because of sin. And so as we look at these things this morning, we can't truly understand victory until we understand defeat. And that defeat, again, is sin. In Genesis chapter 2, most everybody in this room would know this. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what does it say? Thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, what does it say? Thou shalt surely die. I'm not saying this to be harsh to you this morning. 
I'm not saying it to not be kind and loving based on any circumstance or situation, but those things happen in our lives because of sin. Defeat happens because of sin. It's because of sin that all of these things happen. It was in partaking of the fruit that was on that tree that brought death. It brought pain. It brought suffering. It's that sin that we have. It's because of that that we have depression, discouragement, anger, regret, fear, a lack of peace, and a lack of comfort. God created you and I to be in perfect relationship with Him, but sin. But defeat separates. This passage here says... A few things that are powerful to the discussion of victory. Because Paul, in many regards, is just being a smart aleck. Anybody in here a smart aleck? Join the club. Come on, there's more than six of you that are smart alecks. I know many of you in our church, and I know that to be true. But Paul, in some regards, is just kind of being a smart aleck. He's being facetious, but he says... What is he? He asks the question, for if the dead rise not. Think about this as we go through this point. If there is no resurrection, then Christ is dead and my faith is vain. If there is no resurrection, we go through this passage of scripture. It says then that Christ would be dead because nobody would have risen again. Christ would be dead in my faith, the faith that I have that Jesus Christ is God Almighty, that Jesus Christ died died on a cross but rose again, the faith that I have that he, He covered the sin of, that my sin, He covered your sin, the faith that I have in Him, it would be worthless, it would be for nothing, it says it would be vain. The chiefest of all consequences of all time would be that Jesus Christ never rose from the grave. If Christ is dead, we remain in our sin. We have no hope for tomorrow. My hope, my faith is in the resurrected Christ. Without that Christ, if without that Christ is dead, my faith is worthless. It is complete devastation. It is defeat every day, all day, with nowhere to turn or nowhere to look. What purpose do I have? Has anybody ever asked you that question? What is my purpose being here? Listen, if Christ is dead, then there is zero purpose. There is no purpose. Why am I here? With no living Christ, there is nothing to run toward. It's all about me. It's all about me. What's the society in which we live? It's all about me. We are selfish people. Because of sin, and therefore it becomes all about me. If Christ is dead, my faith is vain. If Christ is dead, it goes on to say, you are dead in your sin. Think about it. No resurrection means you are in your sin forever. Sin is painful. Sin kills. Sin destroys. Why is it that we divorce? Sin. Why is it that people die? Sin. Why is it that people are anxious and on anxiety pills like no other time in history? Sin. Why are we depressed? Sin. Why do we regret? Sin. Why do we? Why do we? Sin. And if Christ never raised from the dead, I would live in that for all of eternity. 
there would be no hope that I could ever go further than that. I have no purpose. I struggle in my sin. Listen, as a believer, there's times that we feel it's worthless. But even in our deepest days of struggle as a believer, I know Jesus Christ is real. And I know that I have a hope. Everything that we attempt to get away from in life, the depression, the anger, the disease, the anxiety, all of the things that we do, what is it? What? Uh, we have people that are addicted to so many drugs. Why? Because they're just trying to get away. People that are addicted to alcohol, why? It starts typically because I just want to get away. If I could just drink it away, I don't have to think about it. If I can smoke it away, if I could do whatever, I don't have to think about it. I just want to get away from all of those things. What is it they're getting away from? Sin. Because sin kills and destroys. If God... Jesus Christ never rose from the dead. We would be dead in our sin. All who have passed, it says, before are dead. One of the greatest joys or hope that I have is I look in my life. I'm 37 years old, and I remember one of my first funerals that I ever was at. I was probably seven, eight years old. As a child, I saw almost every grandparent that I had pass before. I have met people that are my age that have never been to a funeral. Because either folks had passed before they were born or their grandparents are alive or whatever it is. And I, I feel like in some ways I've been to so many funerals. But you know the joy of every funeral that I've been to within all of my family is I have a hope. My hope is that one day I'll see my grandparents. My hope is that one day, I've never, I never got to meet my mom's dad. One day I want to get to meet him. One day I will. I've heard so many stories of my dad and my mom talking about their grandparents and people in their lives that I never got to meet. One day in Christ, I will get to meet him. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is none of that. We are just, we're here and we go. I have no hope. I have no purpose. God's word says that what? That all who have passed before, they're just dead. Man, I believe with everything in me that those that know Jesus Christ are no longer just dead in a grave, but they're risen with him. It says that we who believe in Christ are most miserable. We are most miserable. You and I would be most miserable. Everything that we've desired and thought was our hope would be absolutely worthless. I would have stood. Now it's been the last five years. It's been the last 15 years of my life. I would have preached to teenagers and, and adults alike that Jesus Christ is risen, that, that, that my hope is in Him. And for all of that time would be completely wasted and worthless. Defeated if Jesus Christ did not rise. Defeat is real. There is nothing that we could hope for. I'd ask you today this question. Do you sit here feeling defeated? Are you depressed? Are you discouraged? Are you anxious of everything? Are you not? Are you feeling this way? Listen, are you feeling that you are doing everything that you can to have a victorious life, yet you are still unsure if you are succeeding at anything? 
This morning, I believe with everything in me based on God's word that I have to come to a place where I recognize that I am defeated before I can ever come to a place where I say, God, here am I. Because I can't do it by myself. See, here's the sad thing today. The sad thing today is this. I believe with everything in me. I believe historically we have fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead because over 500 people saw him after the fact. Historically, not just because of God's word, historically, we know that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so I look at that and I think, man, I have a faith that is, that is real. And I can believe in that. There's something greater than this. But the sad reality is that many people in this room, your neighbors, your family, your friends, the people that we say we care about, live defeated lives because they think, I'm doing good. I'm giving to charity. I'm going to this place. I'm doing this thing. I'm doing that thing. I have done this. I did not do anything like that. Last week we spoke of Barabbas and we would say, man, I did nothing like Barabbas. Barabbas was a thief. Barabbas killed people. Barabbas gathered a throng of people like this and he said, let's go. We're going we're gonna to have an insurrection. We're going to cause terror in our country. And people died because of Barabbas. And we would say, no way am I like him. The reality is this. I said it last week. We are Barabbas. There could be not one thing that Barabbas could have done to stand before God. And say, God, I'm okay and I can go to heaven now. There wasn't one thing Barabbas could have done except recognize his sin and defeat and say, God, I am sinner. I am worthless. You paid it all. You died upon a cross. You have taken and covered all of my sin. You have done those things. And listen, this morning, there's so many people that live and they walk and they talk and we live and we walk and talk with them. And they live defeated, though they aesthetically, though they look victorious. I don't live in a wealthy community. I'm just a normal, everyday guy like most everybody else in this room. I would say that the people around me are they're fairly successful people. They're everyday middle American people. My neighbor to the one side of me is a single guy. His wife's passed away over this last year and he just moved in and he's just an everyday guy. His name's Jimmy. You know what? Jimmy will live a defeated life unless he understands his defeated life and surrenders to the one that gives victory. And I have so many other people that live around me that I pray God would allow the opportunity to share Jesus Christ. But in our thinking, I am doing everything that I can and I will be okay. 
we live defeated because we've never got to the place of truly understanding our sin and our defeat. Hey, I've loved watching what I could watch of this March Madness basketball thing. I, I don't know if there's any Virginia fans in here, and if you are, I apologize. This is not a blast against you. Virginia was the number one seed. They were considered the best team going into the tournament. The lowest seed is a 16 seed. For those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about. Virginia is considered the best team in the country. This team is considered, well, the worst going into the tournament. That's agony and defeat right there. You almost feel bad watching it. Like you're so excited for this school of absolutely nobody. I don't even, it was like, it was in Maryland or something. I don't even know. No, what was it? No, not Loyola, the, the UMBC, Baltimore something, Maryland, Baltimore College. Like, but here's what I'm saying. We get, man, the thrill of that victory, that's incredible. But at the same time, you watch somebody on one side of the court who is literally jumping and, and crying in joy. And you see somebody on this side of the court who is laying down, tears coming. And you, you think, man, the, the pain that they have. I'm an athlete. I've lost. And it hurts sometimes. Because you've worked so hard. And to sit and you look over and you're like, man, they're... But if I don't ever get to the place where I am laying down and I so understand the defeat, the sin, the brokenness, I can never get to the place where I understand the victory. The second point and the last point this morning is Paul was writing after he had expressed the reality that so many had seen Christ. I said it earlier, he was kind of being sarcastic. He was almost saying all of these things in hypothetical. That Jesus had not risen. Without the risen Savior, we'd, most, we'd be most miserable. Without Christ, we'd be dead. Christ would be dead. That is certainly no way to live. Yet, as I just stated, so many do. We live trying to work towards a victorious life. Today I celebrate life, and I can have victory. But what I have to understand, and what we have to understand is this, and this may be the most difficult thing for me to understand and for all of you to understand, is there is not one thing that I can do about it. There isn't. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to try hard. I want to do right. I want to, I want to do everything that I'm supposed to do to, to be the right person that I can be. I'm going to give to charity. I'm going to serve at charities. I'm going to be a good neighbor. I'm going to be a good father. I'm going to be a good mother. I'm going to be a good college kid, a good high school student. I'm going to do and do and do and do. And I'm going to work. And God's going to look at us and say, hey, Man, you were doing pretty cool things down there, but you didn't, you can't earn this. There's nothing that you can do. I have to, just like you have to, come to a place where I would say, I just stated it, Barabbas, there was nothing Barabbas could do. 
What happened to Barabbas? He was chained. The guy came over, Pilate came over, unlocked him and let him go. Did Barabbas do anything to get let go? No. Somebody came and unchained him. They untied him. The only thing that we can do is say, God, I recognize my sin. God, I recognize I'm living in defeat. God, I recognize that you are perfect, that I am not. God, I cannot do anything, but you've done everything, and I don't even know how to do this, but I'm, here I am. Have you ever, I've, I've prayed this even recently. God, I don't even know how to do this anymore. Like, how do I just say, here you go, take everything? Have you ever thought that? Like, Pastor, you've told me. You've told me that just surrender it all. How in the world do I surrender it all? Here's the note to my house. Here's the car. Here. How do I do this? But until we recognize the sinfulness, and we recognize that I cannot do anything, We can't have the victory. We must die in order to grow. It was in, uh, I don't know if I'm going to find it right away, but in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as I was reading uh, this past week, just in my, my studies, it, it talked about the seed. And in that it said that the seed, when it was being planted, the seed had to die in order for it to what? To grow. The only way that you can grow is if you die. So when I plant a seed, the seed literally dies and breaks so that, that it can be fertilized, so that it can grow into something. The only way that you and I can grow in Christ and have victory is when we die and say, here we go. You might go, but I can't control it exactly, and isn't that tough? Man, the hardest thing for all of us is when we can't control it. And I want to control it. The Bible tells us that all have sinned. The Bible tells us that the wage of sin, the wages of my sin is death. The thing that I have earned is death. I try hard to come to work every single day, and this is not the only day that I work, just so you know. I try hard when I come to the office and when, when we work. I try to do my job to the best of my ability, just like I hope all of you do. But the thing that you have earned when you go to your workplace is a paycheck. Some of you are like, I don't know, I don't get one of those. <laughs> but no, what we earn is a paycheck. I work hard in regard, in, in for something. I don't know how many of you would be like, yeah, I'd go to work for nothing. If you do, I could use you around here. <laughs> we got stuff to do. But no, look. We earn a paycheck. The wage of my sin, what I have earned as an individual, as a human being, is death, is what God's Word said. That is defeat. That is defeat. That's discouragement. It's anxiety. It's worry. It's depression. It's anger. It's rage. It is striving to be somebody that I can't be, which is victorious victory though is the resurrection and the resur the resurrection speaks of Christ's conquering of sin when Jesus rose again he defeated death what is death it is sin put very simply it is eternal separation from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ defeated that 
And not just for himself, he defeated that for you and for me, for all who would call upon his name. Romans 6 says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you, it shall not have power over you. If we were to read in chapter 7, Paul begins to ask this question. He says in 7, 24 and 25, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Have you ever just thought to yourself, I am miserable. Who is going to save me? Who is going to deliver me from the mess that I'm in? And Paul asks the question, and Paul then answers the question himself. And he says, oh, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He asks, who will deliver me? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. In chapter 8 of Romans, in verse number 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. It has given me victory. With the resurrection, we have been given freedom we have been given hope we have been offered the greatest opportunity because of why the resurrection of jesus christ but yet again listen believers and non-believers alike we know and we would recognize that jesus christ rose from the dead yet we do what i have to do something believers in here so many times and i am the i am guilty as charged Many times in my life, I have thought, God, I don't know why I've done that. Lord, I have sinned. I have failed you. And so what I do is I turn around and I'm like, God, if I would just, maybe you would give me a little blessing if I do this, this, and this. God, I'll start going to church. Right? That's usually where we start. I'll start going to church. Some of you are like, God, if, if you would allow me to, to be blessed, if you would save my friend, if you would save my loved one, if you would do it, God, I will give my life to you and I'll do anything that you want me to do. We think what? I can do something to make it better. No. He doesn't want you to do anything. He wants you. He wants you, and I promise when he has you, you'll do everything that he needs for you to do. I promise you, because he's got you here. He doesn't want your hands and feet to do more for him. He just wants you. He really hears what he wants. He wants my hands and my feet. He wants me on my knees, and he wants my hands lifted up so that I could worship an almighty God, so that I would bow down at the feet of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. That's what he wants. He wants me in relationship with him. And it's refreshing to me to think that I cannot improve anything. All I can do is give what I can give. There is no prayer, there is no good deed that causes you and I to be accepted in God's eyes. It is only the shedding of blood and that Jesus Christ rose from the dead that we aren't still bringing sacrifices to the altar. I love the fact that in my sinfulness I'm accepted by God. 
I love the joy of knowing that I can't do enough. That he would say, Aaron, you know what? Today you crossed your one millionth good deed and now you are okay with me. No. What does he say? He said, by my stripes you are healed. It's in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have a hope. That we have any form of victory in our lives. This morning I conclude and I I pray that this has just been a sermon, a simple sermon, a simple thought this morning. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then sin won the victory over Christ and therefore continues to be victorious over all men. If Jesus remained dead, then when we die, we too will remain dead and damned. It says in Romans 6, 23, I already said it, the wages of sin is death. And if we remain dead, then death and eternal punishment are the only prospects of a believer or a non-believer alike. Think about that. If Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, our only prospect is that we would die and it would be over. There is nothing this morning, if you've never called upon the name of Jesus Christ, I hate to say this and I hate to be rude or crass, there is nothing past this life. There is heaven and there is hell. We will eternally be in one of those places. We will either call upon the name of the Lord, or we will say, I am okay. And in calling upon the name of the Lord, we will eternally be with Him. And in saying that I'm okay, I'll do enough on my own, we will be eternally separated from Him, and God's Word says that that would be in hell. Let me share briefly this morning Christ has a purpose for you. That purpose was that He created you to have a relationship with Him. That He strongly desires to know you. He loves you. He died to know you personally and intimately. I'll get more into depth in all of this these next several weeks, but the thing that we strive for most in most of our lives is that we would be accepted by people. We want to wear the right thing. We do our hair the right way. We do all of these things so that people would accept us. Listen to me. I promise you this. Jesus Christ accepts you. We live our lives seeking that acceptance. Yet he is saying, here I am. I created you. I formed you. I have a purpose for you. Come. Come here. I love you. I accept you. Jesus is simply knocking. He's saying, would you, would you come? Would you, would you follow after me? Would we have a relationship? I just want a relationship with you. Would you recognize that I've done everything and you don't have to do anything? He says, Aaron, would you not take another step carrying the weight upon your shoulders? Because I've already carried that weight. You don't have to. Faith and trust in Him is tough initially, and I understand that. But I'm to place my faith in someone, something I can't see. I don't understand that. I believe, I want to believe that God died on the cross. I want to believe that He raised from the dead. 
Hebrews says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Romans 10 says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. And this morning I beg you that you would recognize your sinfulness, that you would recognize the defeat of what sin is. It is eternal separation from God. And that you would say, uh, Pastor, really more importantly, not Pastor, but God Almighty, God, I, I recognize my sinfulness. I recognize that I, I desire victory. And the only way that I can have victory is to say, God, here I am. I cannot do it any longer. And I'm asking you this morning as I conclude. Have you came to a place where you have said, God, I've been in church, I've, I've, I've watched things, I've seen things, I understand. Some of you would say, I, even, I, could, I could lead somebody to the Lord, but I don't know that I've ever truly given Him everything. And you would say this morning, Pastor, I, I recognize and I desire that I would live a life of victory. And the only way that I can have a life that is victorious. Is to know that I've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Who was raised from the dead. Who conquered that sin that is destroying our lives. Maybe you would sit here as a believer and you would say. Pastor. I live defeated. I live far too many days. On the defeated side, not on the victorious side of life. And you might say, Pastor, I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. I do not doubt. But for whatever it is, there's something in me. I just haven't given it. I haven't done whatever. And I just feel like I live defeated. Listen to me. The next five or four weeks now are going to be geared specifically at that. That you can live a victorious life because of what God did for you. You are no longer in sin. So let's not live there. Let's live victorious. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.